The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 151 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm Andy Bonello, pinch hitting for George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all opinions expressed in the show are my own and not that of my present or past employers. I'll never disclose any sensitive intelligence that I've been privileged to as a result of my current employment, and I'll never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government. And nothing I say during the show should be construed as legal or financial advice. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone, you can go online to the Cybersecurity Hub and get a recap of tonight's show, get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at the very cool website, www.cshub.com. The Cybersecurity Hub is an online news source for global cybersecurity professionals and business leaders who leverage technology and services to secure their networks. The media professionals at the Cybersecurity Hub are dedicated to providing the latest industry news, thought leadership, and analysis in the cybersecurity space. So again, to check out a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news, go to the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Well, last week I had general partner and CTO of Landmark Ventures, Mr. Anthony Giuliano, on episode number 150 to get his opinion on a potential cybersecurity investment bubble. Anthony and I discussed the importance of relationship building, how it has helped his company succeed during the pandemic, what he looks for in a CEO, and what cybersecurity problems need more innovation. Anthony also weighs in on China tightening tech export rules in advance of the TikTok deadline. All this and much, much more in episode number 150 of Task Force 7 Radio. Don't miss everything Andy and I discussed on Task Force 7 Radio last week, folks. But don't sweat it. If you did miss it, you can find us everywhere on Playback. That's Are We Approaching a Cybersecurity Investment Bubble on last week's episode. That's episode number 150 of Task Force 7 Radio. So we got a return guest for you tonight. The chairman and CEO of the MLI Group, Mr. Khalid Hotel, has come back on the show to join us. Khalid is the chairman and CEO of MLI Group which provides geopolitical poli-cyber terrorism, incident response and cyber insurance audit, as well as penetration testing, cyber training of all levels, and poli-cyber threat intelligence and mitigation services. These unique and specialized services represent some of the critical pillars of its survivability solution developed in response to the traditional cybersecurity strategies that are failing today in defending businesses and governments all over the world. Mr. Fatel is invited regularly to keynote, speak, and chair public and private conferences and events. The MLI group also organizes with its partners thought leadership decision maker symposiums and private briefings to boards, C-suites, and senior government officials about the seismic change to the global cyber and non-cyber threat landscape and the new and innovative solutions needed to mitigate them in the 21st century. It's my pleasure to introduce Chairman and CEO of the MLI group, Mr. Khaled Patel. Khaled, welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, buddy. Thank you very, very much, and uh, thank you for hosting me once again. I feel like uh, I need to get a season ticket, uh, a season pass. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. It was great. Well, look, you were like one of our first top 10 guests, man. It was good, you know, way back when we first got kicked off, and uh, you know, we had great reviews on your show. And uh, look, I'm glad you're back, um, and I want to I dive into you know, why, you, why you launched Survivability News. 
Okay, well, first of all, again, uh, thank you for uh, hosting me again. Um, if you recall in the previous episodes, I, I, I was talking back then about survivability and many people were thinking or were saying to themselves, what the hell is Calix smoking? I don't smoke, by the way. So <laughs> the, the fundamental point here is <clears throat> uh, from a mitigation point of view, from a risk assessment and mitigation point of view, uh, the stuff that we currently use today no longer work. And we're stuck in, and again, I don't mean to be uh, rude or uh, to uh, disvalue uh, experts in those fields. What they do is critical and very valuable. But the strategies on resiliency, continuity, and, and cybersecurity alone will no longer mitigate or defend neither the nation state nor the uh, the organization. And that needed to, to change. So I talked... For the last seven, eight years, we've been focusing on survivability and survivability strategies, solutions, etc. Um, and um, but what I have, uh, what could be capsulated as to why we launched survivability news is can be summarized in just a couple of lines, which came out from um, uh, uh, quotes from me uh, in the press release, and it goes like, um, "Never before in human history has mankind had so much information at his fingertips." And yet, never before has he been so misled and misinformed. And in, in principle, uh, Danny, an unprecedented intervention is critically needed. And this is why we launched it. It's the level of fake news, the level of uh, false narratives that have now become the standard operating procedure of journalism around the world, and especially uh, in the Western Hemisphere, in, in democracies. And that I see, uh, I started seeing as a, a threat to uh, national and corporate survivability and security, and um, it needed to be addressed. Uh, we can no longer uh, carry on as we're doing. So what we decided to do is to create a, a, a new model of journalism, which is uh, basically bringing in conflicting and uh, conflicting stories and conflicting angles and narratives from conflicted uh, uh, news outlets for the uh, for the uh, citizen the uh, the reader or the viewer to come and see them all in one place this i think was very very important because unless you widen the perspective of the citizen um, we're all going to be in the dustbin of history so just for the audience, if you could um, just kind of make sure I want to put the context around this for them. Like sure. so, uh, survivability, we're talking converged, physical, cyber, holistic survivability. We're, you know, we're not just talking data breach here, right? We're talking the whole thing, make sure that, you know, we're, we're the way we live, <laughs> right? You, you know what? That's a very good question. And uh, uh, I'm, this is not public information, but I'm going to share with you. Um, I have a book coming out in the next couple of months titled Survivability. And the concept here is the, the ills of society are manifesting themselves through cyber. So the days when you used to get hacked and somebody sent you a ransom note is the day is today when you go and celebrate because you know what they want today geopolitical motivations or motivations to coerce or change the direction or, uh, or force a nation state or an organization to take a different course can be perpetrated through a cyber attack 
that is what we call geopoly cyber labeled. I talked about the geopoly cyber on the previous two shows um, uh, in the last couple of years. And this is a, an overarching theme. You cannot mitigate this by just cybersecurity. You cannot mitigate this through just continuity and resiliency, which we have inherited from the 20th century. What you're talking about is the motivation of why things happen. So they may not happen on a daily basis, but a geopoly cyber attack, which today can be uh, uh, matched or sequenced with a false narrative or fake news, literally can bring a nation, that, nation down to its knees within, within a week. Literally, I'm, I'm, I kid you not, without attacking a single uh, uh, military installation or a critical national infrastructure or a or, or vital, uh, this is really serious. So, but the, at the core of this here is the citizen and the decision makers today are not well informed or equipped to know how to deal with this. And it starts with the, with the citizen and the decision maker as well. So both of them have an important role to play. And unless we do this, uh, democracy is under unprecedented threat. You probably recall my previous interview from a couple of years ago for Era of the Unprecedented. Every, every word today <laughs> on, on the news uh, all over the world is uh, unprecedented, unprecedented. We talked about the Era of the Unprecedented back in 2017, 2018. It was an investigative program that we, we launched and we were doing and we're still doing. And this is part of the format that we have in survivability news as well. One last point to put it in perspective. COVID-19, the pandemic itself, and the failure of governments, not just in the US, but all over the world, to deal with it. Uh, and for that threat, having been a precedented threat, let me just be clear. This is a precedented threat. In other words, uh, governments all over the world saw what was going on in Wuhan in November, December, and early January. Very few of them stepped up and tried to do something to look after the citizens. Many of them didn't start until late in March or April, and the results have been catastrophic. In fact, without uh, diverting to the point, if you consider uh, to the, to the uh, American audience listening, if you look at uh, Greece, Greece, with all respect to my Greek friends, and I say that in a complimentary way, Greeks, Greece is the bankrupt country, almost financially bankrupt country of the EU. And if you look at the number of deaths from COVID, it's, it's not even in the thousands, it's in the hundreds. And the reason for that here is they stepped up early in January and went out there to, do, to, uh, to buy PPE and ventilators and et cetera, and they put in mechanisms to try and look after their citizens. The result was hundreds of people died from it not tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. So that puts it in perspective. And again, the core point here is the citizen is not informed. And this is partly why we launched Survivability News. So let's dive in a little bit more into that, man, because I want to make sure I understand. <clears throat> let's get out there, you know, get the good mission. Sure. We get it, you know, there's news everywhere. We're trying to figure it all out. But what's the, what's the business model, you know, what's unique about what you're doing? Well, first of all, let me just be uh, clear. <clears throat> Many who may be, uh, diehard Republicans or diehard Democrats, I may end up offending you both. So I'm going to pick on President Trump. I'm going to pick on President Obama. I'm going to pick on VP Biden. I'm going to pick on everybody. Because here it's about calling out what we believe needs to be called out and for a better society. And by the way, I'm not running for office, so I don't care for the vote. Uh, and, and, and thought leadership is not a popularity contest. 
the mission itself is to bring and to give to give readers, citizens, decision makers alike, a critically needed wider perspective they are seriously lacking today from the news sources they are currently relying upon for news. Um, we also do events. We do uh, feature analysis on stories which impact people's lives and livelihoods directly and indirectly. Um, another component is um, the events. The events for us are uh, a, a key. So, for example, in journalism, uh, the main source of revenue for any journalistic endeavors are very straightforward, either advertising or some rich patriarch who will donate or some other, you know, or, uh, uh, or you're relying for uh, 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 individual charities, and none of those are sustainable. The first two uh, uh, models of uh, donation, uh, uh, a rich donor or uh, advertising leaves you susceptible to the special interest and the advertisers say, I don't like this, I don't like that. And you end up uh, compromising on the quality of your journalism because somebody doesn't like something. So for us, I don't take advertising. We have no interest in advertising and I'm not looking for anybody to fund us. And we are also uh, factoring in significantly citizen journalism. It's about reporting the truth and giving a wider perspective without our bias and talking about topics that very seldom are being talked about by mainstream media or even the, the, the new media, which to a large extent are also uh, uh, funded through uh, uh, the, the advertising revenue. So all of a sudden, if something you, you, you write people don't like or organizations don't like, uh, you get cut off. I'll give you a simple example. Uh, recently, we had a feature story uh, in, um, in, uh, on, the, um, on a war that's actually happening in the back door of Europe, which is between Azerbaijan and Armenia. Most people don't even know that. I bet you most Americans don't even know about this. This is on the back door of Europe and that most Europeans don't even know about. And it's not only in, uh, showcasing itself through geopoly cyber warfare, both nation states are attacking each other through cyber, but it's also been military escalations and fights. Now, from a ge geopolitical perspective, this also bringing in Russia into the fold, Turkey into the fold, Israel into the fold, and everybody's got a finger into this. And if you don't understand the geopolitical uh, 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 landscape of how these things are, uh, uh, manifesting themselves, you have no way of knowing how to mitigate them, how to deal with them. And again, the decision maker and the, and the citizen need to be informed. Man, and, and it's playing out big time with the, the U.S.-China conversation right? in terms of people actually understanding the Made in China 2025 strategy and how long this is going on. Um, quick question for you here on, on the, you know, we had chatted previously about the dream and the nightmare. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, I tell you what. I, 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 please remind me to talk about the China 2025 because I think this is quite relevant, and we need to address this to put it in the right perspective. Uh, second point here is the dream and the nightmare. Oh my God! Uh, well, put, let me put it this way: most of people, when people ask what is MLI, um, MLI, ML starts for multilingual. And I stands for internet. So most we dropped the ex, the, the long expression. Uh, at least 10, 10, 12 years ago. Fundamentally, um, I have been directly involved in the, in the, what was known back then as, as the information superhighway. 
back in the mid 90s, I got involved in something called Information Superhighway. Um, and uh, I, I helped and I, to put, it in, uh, to put it in a modest way, I championed, led and contributed to making the internet what it is today being multilingual. So, and I had no personal agenda. It was purely philanthropic for me. There was no product to sell. Um, I, I truly believed the, uh, that in a, a more informed, more empowered, more empowered citizen all over the world uh, through digi digital means makes the world a better place, makes, the, makes us better people to understand each other's uh, 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 aspirations and will make it a better society. And it, the goal was to give people better information. Um, well, that was the dream, and it turned into the nightmare we have today. And this is why, at the beginning, when I talk about never before in the history of mankind, has man has had so much information at their fingertips, yet never alone have they been so misinformed, is so appropriate. Because now, through populism, through uh, uh, people believing in a binary term, you either like this particular politician or you don't like them. And if that's the case, you only follow that track and nothing else matters. That is a threat to society. And that's a major, major problem. And that's, that's a nightmare because now uh, it's upon those that you can start doing the equivalent of um, uh, what Cambridge Analytica did uh, on uh, 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 launch fake news and fake wars and, 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 and false narratives. And not all of them may necessarily be to, to uh, curtail the security of the, of the nation, but all of them actually impact citizens and their lives. So that is a huge, huge uh, problem. Is there, is and it's part of the, the yeah, that, that was part of the drive. And that's why we launched Survivability News because I felt uh, somebody's got to do something. And I claim, let me claim this, it's an imperfect start. We, we recognize we, we can't do all this alone. So it really is... Uh, a, a, a leadership uh, role in doing what is necessary and open up the door for others who believe in the same thing to join us because unless you create a vehicle for good for people to 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 jump in and and, and, and be part of um, uh, the majority of people all over the world who, who aspire for the same ideal that we profess in the US as the life liberty and the pursuit of happiness uh, will never be realized yeah, people need to listen to both sides and, and make, you know, informed decisions for themselves. All right, folks, we've got to transition into a commercial break. So, hey, if you're a social media junkie, don't forget to follow TF7 Radio on your favorite social media platform. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and even Instagram at searching at TF7 Radio, and you'll be connected to the extended TF7 family on your favorite social media platform. For inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, please email George directly at george.redis at tf7radio.com. That's george.redis at tf7. That's with the number seven, folks, radio.com. We're going to pause for some quick messages from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with Chairman and CEO of the MLI Group, Mr. Khaled Patel. So whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. 
By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Sinet, S-I-N-E-T. You can't see it. You can't smell it. You can't taste it. But it can bankrupt your company. It's internal risk. Insider fraud, ethics violations, and remote workforce risk have plunged many a company into reputational crisis. Don't be one of them. The corporate investigative team at Bluecoat have managed cybersecurity and risk mitigation in the White House, Silicon Valley, and everywhere in between. To see how Bluecoat can help protect you, visit TrustBlueCoat.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's Task Force 7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with Chairman and CEO of the MLI Group, Mr. Khaled Fatel. Khaled, what is the major problem you're seeing in journalism today? Um, uh, Danny, I think, I think most people may recognize this, but probably most of them don't recognize the significance of this. Look, de- democracy uh, can only be served when our journalists are adhering to the highest level of objectivity uh, in their profession. And unfortunately, what we're seeing here is when you go to, uh, look, it doesn't matter which news network. Um, I won't pick on any of them, but you can use whichever we want. You go to one and what you get is a narrative. 
a perspective. You go to the other one, you get another narrative, another perspective. You don't get the full truth. What you get is partial facts being spun in a way that gives you, that legitimizes or make, makes the, the argument they're putting uh, valid. So, but, but it's not the full picture. And the problem with that here is if journalism in its true form is not functioning as it should be, then democracy itself is put in unprecedented peril. And this is why I talk about um, you know, democracy being in fourth, uh, uh, stage four cancer. And unless we fix this, we're really not going to be able to either save democracy or serve the citizens' life and livelihood. It's as simple as this. So, um, and by the way, I, I'm not calling out any particular journalists. I think people can make their own decision. Most of them are employees. They're employees. And if they don't toe the line, guess what? They get fired. And they all have uh, children, mortgages, et cetera, et cetera. So, I'm not putting them on, I'm not calling them out. I'm calling the, 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 the networks and the people who are pushing the button of the networks. And I think this is now uh, an unprecedented threat. And let me just be also clear. If we can't fix this in Western democracies, if we cannot fix this in the US, our home of the land and the free, where we champion democracy and we launch wars in its name, then guess what? Nobody else can. So, you know, look, I mean, the news cycle right now around, around China is, you know, constant, uh, especially here in the U.S. Um, you have, uh, you know, the, the, the U.S. government announcing the ban on WeChat and looks like TikTok is, you know, bought themselves a little bit more time. Um, but I think people don't have a good sense of or, or enough awareness into the China's made in China 2025 national strategy. Um, could you have any uh, insight there and that you'd, you'd be willing to kind of opine on? I, I'm happy to give you my insights and it may not be what most Americans want to hear. But again, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm running for office. I'm trying to thought lead them into thinking and having a wider perspective. And by the way, I say this, as a U.S. citizen who has the, uh, the, the interests of the U.S. Uh, at heart as well. The China issue has become a, a football. Uh, and I mean a football not in the American football sense, but a soccer ball. Everybody kicks it around, but very few are paying attention to its strategic value. And strategic, uh, not value, strategic uh, risk. Um, there's no question there's no question that the, the China and the U.S. are embarking on a significant clash to own the 21st century. Anybody that tells you otherwise and wants to dig into the details before they address this, uh, they are trying to uh, misdirect. That clash will determine who owns the 21st century and whose values end up winning. And when you put it in that perspective, you then can start understanding and getting a much clearer picture as to why uh, uh, we, uh, our administration calls the, uh, the uh, COVID, uh, the, the, Chinese, uh, the Chinese Communist Party uh, uh, virus. Uh, we, we do trade sanctions. They call us uh, imperialist, blah, 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 etc. Guess what? All of this is not helpful. I think we need to understand why this clash is taking place what is the, uh, the, the, the purpose of it? And, um, and if you don't understand that and recognize it's how it imp implements itself, how it manifests itself in geopolitics, 
in the way uh, we do foreign policy, not just with China, with, and not just with the neighbors of China, but uh, uh, countries in Africa, in the Middle East, in, a in other parts of Asia. All of this is rela related to who's going to win the, uh, this clash of the titans. And by the way, we have an event on, coming up on this on Tuesday, and it's by invitation, and I'll, I'll shed more lights on this uh, with you. So the problem that I see is every Tom, Dick, and Harry today, or uh, even Mickey Mouse knows that this clash is happening. There's a problem. It may, they, they may know about the trade wars here and then uh, economic sanctions there. But how do you mitigate this as a threat, as a risk, whether you are a nation state or whether you are an organization or corporation? Because every decision either China takes or the U.S. takes has ramification on the way you operate your business. And TikTok, uh, Huawei are no different. Look, let's just call it for what it is. It's public information. Our government, U.S. government, was caught with its hand in the cookie jar doing mass surveillance on the world. We were even spying on our allies in the name of trying to figure out what's going on with uh, what the terrorists are doing. So um, uh, to call the kettle black is really um, uh, not ideal. What I think we need to do in the U.S. is to elevate the conversation and adhere to the, the values of what our constitution will be talk about, because that will ensure that we then have a much better chance of, of, uh, for our values to, uh, to win. Um, so I hope that answers uh, the, the question. It's a, it's a, it's a very, very um, uh, serious topic. And I, my concern here is virtually all, uh, virtually all decision makers uh, in, in the corporate world, including the U.S., um, uh, do not have any strategies on this or any models on what to follow, how to deal with this as, as a risk uh, in order that uh, their business models don't get imp uh, uh, impacted. So you had talked about, you know, fake news and false narratives becoming a national and corporate survivability security threat. Um, where do we go from here? Right? Like, where do we go? How do we fix it? Right? Well, you know what? You, you, I'm glad you asked that question. Let me, put, let me also be very clear. There's no magic download. There's no aspirin pill. It really starts from the top of the helm at the organization, at the corporation, the chairman, the CEO, the board, who decide that we need to address this and make it a priority and then acquiring the necessary expertise, which in most cases they do not have. Like I'll give you an example. Um, geopolitics today impact organizations directly or indirectly, whether they like it or not. How many of them have experts on geopolitics in-house? Very few. Even the, even, even the top ones. What they, with, and, 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 and the worst part is that the cyber attacks are being perpetrated to implement geopolitical and geopolitical motivations. So again, you can't, from a, from a defense of the, na of, the, of the nation state or the defense of the corporation, you can't just mitigate that threat by just having the top gurus in cybersecurity who are just building better and better fortresses. Because we both know, you're an expert in your space, uh, 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 that fortress is sooner or later uh, uh, penetratable. In fact, I always tell in briefings, I always tell the, the, my audience is, uh, name me a single fortress that's still standing in the last 2000 years. It's a matter of time. 
And here where the motivation comes in, and that's why one of the direct impacts is on our democracy, on our values, and the fake news is a significant component. Uh, fake, fake news and false narratives are a significant component in how you can change the mood of people to start becoming um, uh, angrier than they should be, uh, sometimes validly, sometimes invalidly. So what's unique about your model of journalism and, and how is it different? Well, we're, what we're doing here is we are uh, 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 shedding new light and wider perspective on events and stories that are taking place around the world uh, that not, not just mainstream, main, main, uh, mainstream media is not addressing, but also the new media. Um, like I mentioned earlier on, the, the Azerbaijan-Armenia uh, 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 war, which has uh, cyber attacks and, and, and conflict and soldiers have died and there have been civilians as well. Um, um, we've covered stories on, um, I'll give you a simple example. Remember at the beginning I said, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be picking on uh, many presidents, Democrat or Republican. Let's talk about the, uh, the recent uh, peace deal that uh, President Trump talk, uh, uh, hailed as the, uh, uh, an amazing new development, the, the peace deal between UAE and Israel. Um, uh, most people don't realize that this is actually uh, started from, uh, as part of, the special directive by President Obama on regime change, the SPD uh, 11, um, which set in motion uh, many things that were happening in the Middle East, which now are manifesting themselves in peace deals that are only happening by signature on paper by the top people. Um, this in itself is not the solution to uh, bring uh, peace, prosperity, not only to the region, but also, if you don't bring peace and prosperity to that region, you're not going to stay in peace as, uh, uh, back home. And that's, that's part of the problem that we're facing. So you had mentioned citizen journalism earlier. Uh, tell me a little bit about it and how is it integral part of your model? Uh, very good question. Um, and let me, let me just also uh, uh, tell your audience, when they go to our um, uh, platform, to the website, just type survivability.news, it'll get you there. Um, um, the, the citizen journalism is really an opportunity for us to engage with uh, inquisitive minds and local people who want to actually be able to make an impact, a change for their society. And if they have something that is worthwhile to pass on to us, which normally if they were to, let's say, uh, uh, publish it at home or, uh, or, or leak it, it might put them in jeopardy. They give it to us, we, we scrutinize it. It's only if we validate it, we then publish it. But the aim is to actually uh, uh, create impact. We want to see change. Um, and unless you create change at local level, it's, uh, you're not gonna see much difference uh, in the way democracy is, uh, is, is championed. So the survivability news events that you host, um, you know, What's the, where's the value for decision makers? Um, what makes them special? Tell me a little bit about it. Glad you asked that question. Um, for example, I, I touched upon earlier on, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm promoting because uh, uh, the events are by invitation only. 
So guess what? We have, uh, there's no revenue from uh, uh, getting an attendee to pay in because are we going to make money from them? Um, so for example, on Tuesday, we have the China versus the uh, uh, China versus US clash of the Titan empires. And the question we are putting to our panelists, and we're calling this, by the way, as a virtual round table, is discussions and debates by experts in their fields who we, we invite so that we can deliberate. We address this and then we try to come up with, uh, we have some of these solutions, but we try to create even more uh, 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 detailed models and strategies and solutions on how you mitigate this threat strategically and operationally. So the question here we're posing at that event is, how do governments and organizations mitigate not becoming uh, collateral damage when these two giants uh, clash? How do you mitigate uh, enabling you to remain as neutral as you can so you can also serve, uh, serve your, uh, uh, your stakeholders? And I think this is also relevant for the U.S. The key point here is from a mitigation strategy. It's not about just uh, who's got God on their side, who's got the devil. Uh, let me just be very clear. Um, so the, it is by invitation. Um, uh, those who wish to come in to attend, uh, they will need to submit an exp expression of interest. This is the model for many of, uh, of our uh, virtual roundtables. And uh, because the nature of the debates are very sensitive, we have very important people who will be joining to learn and open the door to them so that they can um, uh, do more. Um, we want to make sure that the people who are attending are um, um, professional, respectful, and uh, appreciate the value of the conversation so that they can come out better informed on what to do next. And by the way, we have uh, another event coming up uh, uh, in October. It's basically the um, uh, Trump versus Biden. Um, this may be, uh, it's, uh, of course, it's relevant to all of us American citizens, but the angle we're putting it here is what difference can the rest of the world expect in foreign policy? And you see the angle where we're trying to educate the public and educate our uh, uh, stakeholders. And perhaps we can influence better change within US policy as well on how to um, aspire for uh, uh, doing better um, as a nation and uh, for uh, our values as well. Yeah, no, so it sounds like it's gonna be a lot of fun. So, so I know you also offer board and C-suite briefings um, how are they, you know, this type of conversation received at that level? Like, give me a little insight into those conversations. Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, this was not part of the topic we were supposedly talking about here, but I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, when we started talking about survivability and the geopoly cyber threats and the hacking for political and uh, uh, political, ideological, religious, uh, extremist motivations, etc., we started talking about this in 2013, 14, 15, uh, very few were paying attention and most of them, you know, you know the expression we say, uh, we're good, we're good, thank you very much. Um, the hacking of the US election 2016 was a game changer because then many were saying, well, hang on a second, what about us? Um, it, it was, I would not say it was a, a eureka moment for many, but it was a eureka moment for, for a few and they wanted to do uh, things better. Um, and since then, when you see so many stories about uh, cyber attacks, um, uh, and I, I tell you what, I, again, no disrespect to any professionals, but when you see stories about uh, uh, major cyber attacks and then you, you hear of a major company coming and saying, well, 
we have no evidence that any of that data has actually been leaked. I'm, I'm making the voice uh, into the dark web. So we believe the data is safe. My God, how incompetent, how narrow-minded that is. A lot of the data may be already harvested and maybe uh, uh, awaiting uh, 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 AI uh, or quantum solutions that could actually decipher some of this content. And some of this content pertains to citizens uh, of countries, including the U.S., and that means uh, politicians and uh, top people. So it's a, it's a major, major problem. Um, um, in that sense, the, the awareness level and the, 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 the desire, the demand for getting to know better, uh, getting to know more and understanding on how you develop strategies for governments and organizations using survivability is becoming, is, is really, uh, I mean, I tell you what, we, uh, we have no, we don't sell, we don't promote. Um, it's, it's been very, very good and very exciting. And in fact, in, in principle, when we talk about survivability, when it comes to, the, to, to governments and nation states, the things we talk about, and I talked about this a couple of years ago as well at a UN conference, is that governments need to start thinking uh, what type of a cyber survivability strategy matched with a legislative roadmap. Because unless you have both together, you're not going to be able to do any um, uh, consideration of what to do next and how to curtail some of the issues uh, to do with fake news and, uh, and false narratives, et cetera, which are now a new, uh, uh, a, a new national and corporate uh, security threat. Yeah, it's interesting stuff, man. All right, we got to take another short break to hear from our sponsors, but don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with more from Chairman and CEO of the MLI Group, Mr. Khaled Patel. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., 
Cynet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Cynet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Cynet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Cynet, S-I-N-E-T. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Ritas. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Ritas. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with Chairman and CEO of the MLI Group, Mr. Khaled Patel. <clears throat> Khaled, we talked, um, you know, we talked a little bit at the break around uh, the think tank that you're putting together on survivability. Can you dive into that a little more for the audience? Happy to. I'm not going to give the secret sauce out. Uh, <laughs> but in principle, uh, I think from the previous uh, uh, three uh, times when I've been uh, uh, a guest of your show, I've been talking about survivability. I think your listeners and the audience already know that this is not just a marketing label. Uh, there are strategies and uh, uh, ways of approaching things uh, from a problem, from problem solving and from uh, mitigation. So um, we, this has been on the cards for, uh, for a number of years. And what we'll be doing is launching um, <clears throat> survivability uh, think tank uh, in the next uh, few months. And basically, we're already bringing in um, uh, research, uh, researchers and academics and many others so that we can address um, from a research point of view and from a publication point of view uh, the relevant content that will help decision makers and government officials of how to factor in survivability in the way they strategize uh, moving forward. Um, and that's, I think that's very, very exciting. And it is uh, fundamentally one way to, to it's, it's, it's meant to change the way of thinking that the current models, like I talked before, um, no longer are capable in mitigating threats of the 21st century. And unless you try to uh, change that mindset and then offer uh, uh, research into this and uh, more details, Unfortunately, society is going to be more impacted. So we truly believe in this. And uh, for those who want to be involved with us, uh, academics uh, or uh, experts in that space, uh, please go to our website uh, uh, and then um, uh, submit your expression of interest and then um, we'll get back in touch with you. Yeah, it sounds like it'll be pretty cool to check out and see how that progresses. What, that, uh, what other events do you have coming up? Well, like I mentioned earlier on, we have, well, let me put it this way. We've got 
the next 12 events already mapped out. But we've also uh, uh, recognized the need to be agile. So we've got additional events that are being added because some of them may be more time sensitive. Um, on Tuesday, um, we have the China versus US, the Clash of the Titan Empires. I talked about this earlier on. And in fact, um, um, like I said uh, as well, I'm, I'm happy to extend to your listeners the opportunity to come in and engage. But uh, no disrespect to anybody, everybody has to submit an expression of interest. Uh, so at least we qualify who's coming in and we can qualify them not for financial purposes, but they are professional. Um, so at least we know that the engagement is uh, of relevance. Um, so please go in and submit your expression of interest. And um, a quote, uh, Task Force 7 2020 in the message box. And at least we know they are your listeners and we will um, uh, elevate that uh, request uh, to, to, to process it uh, uh, as soon as we can. Um, other events, like I mentioned earlier on, we've got the Trump versus Biden, uh, how that pertains from a foreign uh, uh, what change can the rest of the world expect from a foreign policy point of view? Um, we also have, uh, we, in the U.S., we've heard so much of the, the Hawaii issue, correct? Uh, because it pertains to China and the U.S. Well, let me put it this way. We're, we are having an event uh, on uh, Huawei and the Huawei debate, and we're asking the question, uh, is it a security risk or an ultra-geopolitical risk? Um, and that's important to understand because if you don't understand it from that proper perspective, you're unlikely to figure out how it impacts you to know what to do next. Um, in fact, we have another, uh, another event coming up as well. Um, uh, many of your listeners may be familiar with the, um, with the Starlink and the OneWeb project. And they're uh, launching satellites to offer broadband to the world uh, from out of space. Um, and the question here is, uh, how will this, how will uh, national telecom regulators outside of the U.S., how will they mitigate becoming obsolete? Because now these private networks are going to be able to offer internet services to their, to their national citizens uh, without going through their regulators. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a challenge to them. Um, again, it's a challenge to, uh, to decision makers as well. How do you mitigate this? So uh, again, you'll, you, you probably can start gathering that uh, a lot of the topics are meant to be thought-provoking, but it's also, they're also meant to develop, uh, help uh, uh, stakeholders come up with better modality of how to address them from a risk point of view. Yeah, well, I can't wait to have you back on to uh, hear about the think tank and what's coming out of that here in a little bit. And uh, I really appreciate you coming back on the show. It's been, it's been absolutely my pleasure. Uh, it's been my pleasure. And um, uh, anytime you want me to come back, I'm, I'm happy to accommodate. And we always have something relevant to tell the audience. And look, I'll leave you with this one thought. Without an engaged citizen who has a much wider perspective we are not going to be able to save democracy. And it starts here at home in the U.S. If we cannot do that in the U.S., the land of the free and the, the intellectual property owner of democracy, um, then the world is in peril. All right, Khalid. I really appreciate you, brother. Thanks again. And uh, we'll catch up soon. My pleasure. Thank you very much for hosting me. And then uh, take care. All right, all right, folks, time for us to bounce up on out of here. But before I go, I want to remind our listeners to visit the Cybersecurity Hub to get a recap of tonight's show and to get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at www.cshub.com. 
That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.